What's up, guys? Back again with the North American Weed Tour podcast. I think we're on episode 25. I'm here with Lisa Finelli Fallon of Boston Cannabis Week. How are you doing today, Lisa? I'm so good. Thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Heck yes. Thank you for making time in the evening on the West Coast. We're just we're just getting towards the end of the way the work day. I know you're still working, but you know, it's a little bit later in the evening. So I appreciate you making the time. Absolutely. So, um, man, could you, you know, introduce yourself a little bit to our audience, just kind of a brief summary of where, where, what got you into Boston Cannabis Week? We'll, we'll dive a little bit more into what that is and how that started, but it's a little bit of your background leading into kind of getting started at Boston Cannabis Week. Sure. So uh, my name is Lisa Finelli Fallon. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Boston Cannabis Week. Uh, we also have a creative agency, BCW Beyond. Um, and we are currently preparing for our third Boston Cannabis Week that's taking off uh, September 20th through the 26th uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. So we are so excited to be coming back. We have a full hybrid program of events, both outdoor in person um, and virtual events happening throughout the week. Uh, our networking and education are always free. It is a mission of ours uh, to to provide that to the public and give back to the community in that way. We also have a, this year we launched our BCW Beyond Scholarship Program, uh, and we are uh, chose three businesses. They are either SE or EE applicants or minority-owned businesses uh, that we chose for the scholarships, uh, and the scholarship recipients will get, uh, they become boss, part of Boston Cannabis Week. They get a presence at all of the events. Afterwards, after Boston Cannabis Week, they'll sit down with our creative agency, BCW Beyond. We'll help them figure out uh, you know, where they could potentially use some support, and we'll put all our resources into areas that can kind of help them. Yeah. Um, wherever we can, you know, if they need uh, its website development, social media marketing, packaging, product sourcing, uh, whatever we can do to help them uh, fulfill an area that they're having avoided, uh, that's what we're going to do. And we'll help cover some of those costs along the way. That is awesome. So this is the first year you guys are doing the scholarship program? Yeah, this is the first year. Uh, we have wanted to, education is a, a very big priority to Boston Cannabis Week. Um, and so is uh, community engagement. And really, um, we, we feel like it's our duty and responsibility to provide these things to the community. So, um, and then on top of that, we, we throw some events to have a lot of fun. So uh, Boston Cannabis Week 2021, we have our uh, golf tournament, BCW Classic. Uh, that is Monday morning. Uh, then we're doing a uh, Fashion on Fire event, which is a sustainable fashion and glass art gallery on Tuesday, Warehouse in Somerville. Uh, Wednesday is our Conscious Community Education Series. This year, we're, we're always talking about social equity. This year, we're also doing a panel on cultivation. Uh, we're doing a panel on advocacy then and now, the differences we've seen over the last 20 years. Uh, we have a sports and cannabis panel, which is going to be incredible. Um, the the magnitude of the folks who are on it are just absolutely, you know, amazing, including uh, Survivor winner Ethan Zahn. We also just confirmed that um, Gary Payton is going to be on board with Ooh. us. So 
So it's going to be an amazing, amazing week of education. Uh, then uh, Thursday is our uh, industry mixer. Oh, Wednesday, we're also doing our cuisine component with dinner at Mary's. We'll be doing a Q&A about cannabis and cooking. Um, and then we'll be doing uh, a tasting after that. Thursday is our networking event, our industry mixer, which is currently full. And we're trying to figure out ways to add to capacity because the community is really excited about it. Um, and then Friday is the uh, Weed Maps block party. We have uh, DJ Large Child. We have Super Smash Bros. Uh, and just confirmed today, we're going to have Christmas Collective performing on there as well. So I'm super excited about that. Saturday is the, uh, the Experience Boston Art and Music Festival. We have Freddie Gibbs, we have Mick Jenkins, Sky Zoo, Terminology, Jasmine Red, and Guru Sanal. Uh, then Sunday, we finish out with Experience Wellness, which is our health and wellness event. Uh, we are working with Trail Fit to do cardio dance and restore yoga. And yeah. we are working, uh, uh, Survivor winner Ethan Zahn is going to be doing a warm-up uh, for those classes. Uh, we're also doing an immunity clinic with Canapreneur and herbalist Mika Brown. So it's going to be a completely packed week and we're just really excited about it. Yeah, you guys are very unique in the fact that cannabis clearly ties into is a subculture but it it doesn't know a genre or a culture itself, right? So many people from different music audiences or different walks of life are, uh, you know, enjoy and participate in 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 cannabis culture and so it just ties into all these other cultures and subcultures and niches. And so many people are like laser focused on maybe cannabis and one thing where you guys are like, you know, cannabis and education, cannabis and music, multiple genres, cannabis and wellness, cannabis and education. What is kind of the inspiration to go after like such a large goal of tying cannabis to all these different unique things? Kind of where did the inspiration to bring all these things tied to cannabis come from? So my uh, business partner in Boston Cannabis Week, Scott Patano, uh, we worked together for the first time in 2016. I, at the time, was a booking agent at Hard Rock in Boston. He was working at the time with the Boston Freedom Rally, helping to book the main stage. And they came to a show I did with Red Man at Hard Rock. Um, and they asked me if I could book Method Man and Red Man for the Freedom Rally three months down the road. Uh, and we did, we raised the funds, we booked the artists and we threw, uh, it, you know, the freedom rally has been going on for a very long time. Um, but we obviously had one of the biggest shows they'd ever seen with a free show with Method Man and Red Man on uh, Boston common, which was super exciting. Mm. During that time, Scott said to me, we should be doing a whole week. This should be like New York fashion week. It should be Boston cannabis week. Um, and it met, we thought like, I thought about it for a little bit and we marinated on that idea and started planning in 2016, uh, and then launched in 2019 was the first year Boston cannabis week happened. Uh, we started off with five events over the course of the week. Uh, we were featured in Rolling Stone for our work in social equity. And, uh, we had, uh, Lupe Fiasco, Bia Slane, Latrell James, Marcella Cruz, Jeannie Santiago, uh, Devil's Twin, No Hugs, and Lisa Bello. So mm. we had like a really great integration into the arts and entertainment community right away. Um, and then last year when everybody was home, we decided to do Boston Cannabis Week virtually. And we thought people would be over it, bored, like no, everyone was getting burnt out on virtual. I said to Scott, if we get a thousand people, I'll be thrilled. And we ended up getting almost 30,000 attendees over the wow. week from all over the world. Like wow. 
it was like California, Colorado, Maine, Florida, Texas. And then all of a sudden it was like Spain, Italy. We started getting like real attention. And um, so now that's kind of continued on with us. Um, that audience that we built last year is still with us and combined with the people who've been following what we've been doing since the beginning. So uh, we're really excited to be back in person. This year is bigger and badder than ever. Um, we're really excited about the entertainment. We're really excited about all the education. Uh, if you go to bostoncannabisweek.com, you can see the full schedule. You can get tickets for everything. You can register for everything. Um, even though I mentioned before, our education and networking are always free. Our fashion event is free. Um, the the uh, Weed Maps block party is $10, but if you download the Weed Maps app, it is free to get in. Mm -hmm. And then uh, right now, Saturday, uh, tickets are uh, $39.50 in advance, $50 at the door. So we, we try to be accessible to the community. Sure. We, we, you know, if we can do it for free completely, we would, but our mission is to be as access accessible as possible and, uh, still be able to keep the business up and running. <laughs> Man, I, I, I know that mission well. And so I, I got to ask, I got a couple things spawned off that, but I got to ask who kind of chose, was it you or Scott or someone else on the team chose the entertainment this year? I'm a big, big Freddie Gibbs fan. So I got to salute you guys for getting gangster Gibbs on there. Um, but you guys got Gibbs, McJenkins, Terminata, a lot, a lot of heavy hitters, man. Who kind of, how'd you guys come up with that, that list of entertainment? So that's a really good question. Um, so prior to Boston cannabis week, I owned a company, uh, called experience creative experience. Creative is still kind of now part of the Boston cannabis week family. Um, but that company was, did exclusively bookings and artist services. And I was, we were really immersed in the, um, uh, music community. Um, and I had been doing that for, for several years before that I was a brand and PR manager for a company called, uh, Leeds Edutainment. Ned Welberry is, uh, the person behind that. Uh, and the, he brought me on as a brand and PR manager and we were working with a ton of artists doing a lot of the shows at Middle East and Cambridge. Um, and I, we went our separate ways. I launched experience creative six years later, I'm doing Boston cannabis week because we have the agency growing and we had like the festival itself, the whole week of events growing. I said to my business partner, like, we need to bring in someone to help with the booking. Cause it's just like, I was on emails with agencies all day long, just mm -hmm. back and forth. It was getting to be too much. So, um, we, I reached out to Ned and I was like, you want to talk about you working with Boston cannabis week? And, uh, he's like, yeah. So he came on this year as our booking agent. Um, and it was, you know, uh, Ned Scott and myself that, that did the, the, decision-making as far as the booking, mm -hmm. um, that it was amazing to have that team together. Uh, you know, now we have teams doing everything. It's really exciting. It's like we have a booking team, we have a production team, we have a marketing team. Like there's, you know, Scott and I just started this with just the two of us and we were almost like ignorant to the fact that we had no money or nothing to do any of this with. <laughs> it was like, we're just going to bootstrap this thing and make it happen. And, um, now to be here, like, you know, three years later, and we have a whole agency and a week and a team and like employees, it's, it's really exciting to just watch this growing. And, and now it, 
there's so it affects so many people mm. and we have some of the best partners um this year especially uh we've gotten so much love from the community it's just been insane um apothotherapeutics has been completely support supportive um they're one of our our sponsors for the entire week MCR Labs, Mellow, Berkshire Roots, Garden Remedies, True Leave, Great Gold Group, uh, like the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Vantage Builders, Adaptive HR, um, Weed Maps, incredible. You know, like a nat having the support of a brand like Weed Maps or Newberry Comics is amazing because it, it shows that what we're doing is reaching a national level. Right. Um, so that's really exciting. We're getting incredible support from new England right now. And then we're also getting a lot of people who are, you know, like you're like yourself flying in from all over the place to come yeah. to our week of events. The hotel is sold out. It's like, everybody's excited, you know? So, um, we're just feeding off that energy right now. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm personally excited to come out. I've, I've never been to Boston before and I've never experienced cannabis on the East coast. So I'm getting to check multiple things oh, off, off the list, man, with this one. Um, and it's funny cause I already committed to come. And like I said, you guys dropped the lineup and I was like, man, Freddie Gibbs is like one of my favorite <laughs> artists out. So now I'm getting to see, get to see Gibbs in concert. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked about that. Um, I wanted to, to take it back just one second, you know, you talked about, you know, Boston Cannabis Week obviously evolved past, a, you know, started with a couple events, evolved into much larger um, events, but also evolved into this agency. And I think that's probably testament to your guys' mission of empowering education and being community first. Um, but explain just a little bit of how that transformation kind of happened from like, we're going to set up and do this week of events to how that and work with brands on just this kind of singular week and how that turned into like, you know, I don't know how intentional it was, but turned into this year round, you know, agency thing, it kind of, kind of a, a unique shift there. Can, can you kind of explain how that happened? Yeah. It, um, you know, we, we started it off as Boston Cannabis Week. That was always going to be the thing. I never in my mind, I came from, I worked in the agency world for 12 years as a media buyer for many agencies around, you know, both in New York and Boston. Um, so I, I didn't have any intention of that happening. It was almost like, so we had experience creative, which had kind of monthly clients that was doing website development, social media marketing and that kind of thing. But the bulk of our clients were artists. So when they stopped making money, that all, that pretty much went mm -hmm. away. Um, I had, I had one client who stayed with me through the whole thing and she's still mm -hmm. with us. And now she's part of the BCW family. Um, and that's Jasmine Red. She's been so amazing to work with. Um, but it, it kind of started to take on a life of its own because the first year we did this, we had a lot of problems with ticket links being taken down because we had the word bag in the ticket link description and Eventbrite said, you're selling weed. I'm like, no, we're not selling weed. We're giving out gift bags, clothes in it. Um, having, and when they do that, they refund the money. Um, having our all of our digital media ads taken down. So mm -hmm. the first year we were getting a real life lesson and the things that you need to do to navigate the cannabis community in marketing and media and production um, in all these areas. So then it kind of made sense. It was like, you know, this all should be one thing. Um, it all seems to, to be going in that direction. So we made the decision to kind of focus on 
Boston Cannabis Week. And then our first agency client was Mellow that's opening up in Haverhill. And they've been so supportive and behind us the entire way. Um, and getting to create their logo and their signage and their branding. And now we're working on packaging is just absolutely incredible. So it's allowed us to like kind of go through the journey with the client. You know, it's amazing. And now we have nine different brands we're working with on the agency side. So, and that's growing every day. Um, it was a, although it doesn't seem like a natural transformation, it was, and now it's more like, so BCW productions, BCW productions has Boston cannabis week and the agency BCW beyond. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts, but it's all kind of the, the same family. Um, and BCW beyond itself, um, it, it, it's, it's growing very rapidly. So that work does take us all year long and it takes a year to plan a week of events. If not more, we're already thinking about 2022. Like I already know what next year's marketing decks look like. I we already have talked a little bit about the artist lineup that we are trying to achieve. We're talking about what venues are going to change for next year. Mm -hmm. So we're already thinking like a year out. It almost feels um, like very strange that it's actually happening next week because we're already thinking down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's an interesting progression. And this is the biggest year we've had so far, just between number of attendees, number of events, number of partners and sponsors. And uh, I think it's 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 kind of taking on a life of its own. I said to Scott the other day, like we're almost replaceable. It's bigger than us at this point. Um, there's a whole community out there that's very involved. And you know what? The Massachusetts cannabis community overall, there's a lot of events that have happened in the last month. So Freedom Rally is a Saturday. You just had Cultivators Cup. Uh, Turp Town was a while back. So there's a lot of different types of, of events. I think mm-hmm. all of those events, including ours, are all completely different. NECAN just happened last weekend. Um, and I think there's room for everyone because we're all doing very different things and we all have kind of different audiences and there's a little bit of crossover, but um, it's nice to see that that side of this business is flourishing a little bit after everything that's gone on the past year. Right. Right. And, you know, I was going to ask a little bit about the challenges that were, you alluded to a little bit earlier, the challenges of last year, but it sounds also to some extent like, those challenges also brought forth opportunities for you guys. Like you said, the forcing to go digital widened who could come to the party, if you will, which clearly exploded for you guys. So, um, you know, it's, it's just unique. I mean, all of it, you know, we throw events and, and, uh, yeah, the challenges covered through it. Everyone was like, Hey, let's, let's push these events back a month. All right. Let's push them back another month. Uh, Mm -hmm. All right, guys, it's not, it's not. Yeah. This yeah. Year. That was, um, that was us last year. I kept Scott's like, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm like, mm, I don't think it's going to happen. And, uh, finally we were like two months out and I'm like, bro, you know, it's not going to happen. Right. He's like, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so even this year, you know, we didn't know if it was going to happen this year, probably until April. Cause mm. everything was like, closed down here till almost the end of March, I believe. So April is when people started going out. And even then the restrictions were that there were no large events or anything like right. that. 
So we started planning going, okay, let's just plan as if this thing is going to be over and we're going to get to do it. And that was, if we didn't approach it like that, we wouldn't be doing it this year because you just need a lot of time to get these details together. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely taking the risk in terms of just putting your money and your time up for something that may or may not happen, but you know, salute you. I I mean, it's, it's awesome. It just sounds like it worked out the way it's supposed to do. And it's interesting to hear about these other events popping out there. So what is kind of, what do you feel like is the current like climate and excitement around recreate or adult use recreational cannabis in the Massachusetts market? How, how do you feel that looks like right now? Is it mature? Is it immature? Is it just exciting? What, what kind of does it look like? So people are excited right now because there's still, um, there's still a newness about it to a certain, you know, uh, uh, population of folks. Um, Massachusetts is a weird market in that it's oddly progressive and oddly conservative at the same time. Mm. And the way our rollout happened here in Massachusetts, we have strange rules, regulations about consumption, um, about, uh, you know, how much can be gifted about, um, what the dispensaries are legally able to do, even in terms of marketing themselves is very limited. Um, so there's, it's a great time for the cannabis industry right now, Mm. obviously it's also the wild, wild west right now. And you have a lot of people coming into the, this industry for the first time, which means that we work with a lot of folks that don't and haven't ever smoked or consumed cannabis in any way. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's becoming very mainstream, which is what we've been, everyone's been fighting for, right? Like that's what we wanted this to be all along. Um, and just our personal mission of destigmatizing the, the concept of cannabis and normalizing cannabis in our communities is really important. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity. Um, the, the key is you have to surround yourself with like-minded individuals who are of similar goals than you are because right now there's a lot of things to sift through. You know what I mean? It's like when a market opens up, you get an influx from all over the U S and all over the world of people going to that market. So we're seeing that right now. And you have a lot of people coming into, into Boston or into Massachusetts in general um, to do business. It, it has been a hub of the cannabis community on the East coast. Um, you know, with, with legalization happening in New York and New Jersey, like, you know, that might change things a little bit. Um, cause we're going to start to see a lot more happening on the East coast. Right. Um, but I also feel like there was a tremendous amount. There is a tremendous amount to be learned from Colorado and California's legalization processes and legislation and how the whole thing was rolled out. Um, so we do a lot of, one of our panels this year addresses that kind of, uh, social equity across the nation. So we actually talk to people in different States and kind of their experience and experiences in social equity, California, Colorado, Missouri, uh, Massachusetts and Florida, uh, and DC. So having kind of those discussions about what's happening across the U S versus what's happening here, I think is really important because there's a lot to be learned there. Um, but overall it's an exciting time. Like just, you know, the fact that you're seeing, um, you know, people 
that are just curious about the experience, the kind of curious people who haven't smoked in 30, 40 years who are now retired and they're getting back into it. You know, like we, there, there's, there's so much to do within this space that there's room for everyone to do, you know, all, all the things they're, they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I was going to bring up a point uh, about social equity. You know, that's a hot, hot topic, especially on the East Coast and all of these markets that's coming online. You know, I'm, I'm up here in the Washington market. They're just, you know, we're the second state to have recreational cannabis for sale shortly behind Colorado. And they're just just right before COVID. They started talking about, hey, we should do a social equity program. And then they've blamed it on COVID. They said we're going to work on something. There's still absolutely no announcement whatsoever of when, what, where, how. Um, and there's a lot of criticism saying now you're bringing in social equity. You're, you're talking about giving social equity to a disadvantaged group, economically disadvantaged group in a mature marketplace. You're just setting them up for failure from the start, you know. And so it's it's something that our state has botched terribly and just did not address um, until late. California has been very predatory from my, my, you know, my personal opinion. Uh, the social equity program is just a sign of MSLs and large money using that as a predatory way to get easy and cheap access to licenses. Um, but what, it, what is the importance? What is the climate? Um, you know, when I was on Clubhouse early, early in COVID, when Clubhouse was really popping and, and doing my cannabis networking, it seemed to be almost everyone on there is from the East Coast and the 80% of the topics were rooted in social equity. Um, so, you know, I, I tip my hat to you guys really putting that, you know, mission first, um, just as a group giving back. But what what is some of the components of that that you feel like is important? And what is kind of the climate? Is the Does the community also put it there or is legislation putting the emphasis on it? What, what What's kind of the climate around that? No, I mean, I think you touched, you hit the nail right on the head before. Like there's a lot of predatory behavior right now. There's a lot of, you know, not all, but there's a lot of MSOs that are coming in and taking advantage of the license holders. Um, and we're seeing that more and more, unfortunately, um, you know, even in terms of, of what's happening in this market. I mean, there's been uh, lawsuits against the city of Cambridge because they didn't like that social e equity applicants were going to get to go before they are. They're a multi-million dollar multi-state organization and operation, and they're suing over social equity applicants being allowed to go first. And guess what? They won, they were able to open. So this is the precedent we're setting now. So um, that is something that we are going to have to like, yeah, it's great that everything is has been running and we're figuring it out. But like now that's something that needs to be fixed. Uh, and I think a lot of the pressure on, uh, you know, fixing some of the issues with social equity uh, specifically in Massachusetts, really is tying back to the community. The community is the one that's like, we're going to make the decisions. We're going to decide to do what's best for our businesses. Mm. Um, and I have seen there was, you know, I, I when that stuff kind of happens, like the internet tells on everyone, you wow. know. So, so a lot of people are kind of in that similar mindset of of. No, we're not going to allow this. We need to start doing within our own organization. We're going to make some decisions about who we are going to work with and who we're not going to work with. Um, and, and that's why it's even more important, like I said before, keeping like-minded people around you because that's mm -hmm. what moves mountains. Whether you're talking about whether you're talking about social equity 
or you're talking about, um, um, you know, what, what, uh, diversity and inclusion looks like in some of these organizations. Um, I think that's all very important. What people's socials look like, like that's all very telling. Um, mm -hmm. so, but I think that there's been, uh, the issues have been identified, right? So now there's a place to start fixing it. Sure. Um, so I think we're at that place where we know something's wrong. Now it's okay. How do we fix it? And how is, what's the best way to do this? And how is this all going to happen? Um, and you know, it's Massachusetts is a place where everybody has an opinion. So everybody is going to give their two cents about what they think is best. Um, I am very happy to be seeing more, especially through COVID. I'm seeing more independent businesses open in terms of the cannabis industry, whether it's accessories, whether it's um, actual uh, dispensaries, whether it's cultivators. I feel like I'm seeing and, and experiencing a lot more people um, that are finding opportunity in the cannabis industry. And a lot of, a lot of friends that moved away are now coming back because there's work here that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. And that's the great part of it. Um, that what's really giving back into our community. There's a lot of work here right now in terms of the cannabis community. That's all. That's awesome here. And that's, that's definitely, you know, this, this huge thing you're taking a, an entire industry that's existed pre-legalization, you know, and an economic impact makes an economic impact, you know, obviously off the tax books. And now you're getting those tax dollars, you create new businesses, but you also create those ancillary and support businesses. It's, it's just a crazy to go from spending taxpayer dollars prosecuting to then generating taxpayer dollars and providing so much economic opportunity. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see legalization roll out. Um, and, and I like that you touched on, you know, how, you know, Massachusetts was one of the earlier in that little hub of the East Coast, New Jersey, New York, one of the first ones to go wreck and provide those opportunities. Um, how much how much do you feel like those states people are coming over to network and are, are looking at what you guys are doing as as kind of the model to, to build what they're doing for their area? Do you feel like there's a lot of that going on? So I think in regards to Connecticut, Rhode Island, you know, maybe New Jersey to a certain extent, they have looked at what, what's worked and what hasn't worked for Massachusetts. I do know that, that Massachusetts was one of the states that needed the tax revenue. That's mm -hmm. for sure. And it has produced, we, we just passed the billion dollar mark in terms of revenue. So um, the amount of re revenue it's producing for our, our state and our cities and towns is incredible. Um, I, I think, you know, the next few years is going to be interesting as you know, so when New York legalized their consumption law says that you can smoke marijuana anywhere where you can smoke a cigarette. Now in New York, you can't smoke a cigarette in a lot of places these days, but the idea that I can walk down the street and smoke a joint and nobody can bother me is the reason why people were pushing for legalization. Right. Not, you know, I mean, there's many reasons why. Right. But it's like that's counter it's counterintuitive to me to not be able to just walk down the street and smoke when I can buy it and I can have it in my home and I can consume it in my home. But, you know, if I'm walking down the street, that that's technically illegal. It doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, so I think the and the other part of this that is really important that a lot of states are going to continue to look at is expungement. 
The fact that we are a country where people right this second are sitting in jail for the same exact thing that many, many people are becoming very rich over is a real problem. Absolutely. So if we're not talking about legalization along with social equity, along with expungement, it, it's you're doing it wrong. Like you got to have all those conversations simultaneously. Now, I mean, I'm just a business owner in Massachusetts, right? Like, what do I know about national legalization and legislation in that way? But um, I think we can, we have to start talking about that. Like, we can't just legalize it and let people who went to jail 20 years ago for a dime bag just keep sitting there. Now, obviously, we know there's usually more to it than that, but there's sure. no doubt in anyone's mind that there are people sitting in jail right now for marijuana, rather selling it or having it or whatever, would have whatever the case may be. And in the same time, there are people becoming millionaires right now for mm -hmm. doing the same exact thing. So that is something that I think that each state is going to, by the time half the states, like, well, more than half the states are there. By the time, like, the whole country pretty much, like, individual states are legalized, people are going to start to think about that process more. Mm -hmm. what, I think the one state mistake that a lot of states are make, making is putting one thing in front of the other. Well, let's tackle legalization. We'll deal with everything else later. Right. It doesn't really work like that because then you're launching a, a, a flawed infrastructure. If you're building a flawed infrastructure, it's very hard to fix that after the fact. So um, that's something that we're passionate about too, but like expungement is something we need to be talking about if we're talking about any of those other things. Absolutely, absolutely. We just interviewed um, Corvain Cooper from 40 Tons Brand who was actually serving a life sentence for cannabis. Meanwhile, in jail, watching on the news cannabis get legalized in all these states. And granted, you know, there's more to just having cannabis than what he was doing, but you know, a life sentence for a nonviolent cannabis charge is just absolutely asinine. You know, his, his story was a very positive guy, rough story to hear. Um, you know, and, but I think that's, it's beautiful how you put that all these things, you know, certain, not all of them, but certain topics need to be addressed right at the same time, because as you create legislation, you also kind of landlock the changing of that legislation or the reciprocal effects, you know, you pass a law, to legalize this or decriminalize that. But then within that bill, it restricts potentially some other aspects of it that can become much harder. And it should just be a no brainer to be like, we're legalizing this shit. We fucked up. Shouldn't have been illegal this long and free everybody locked up for it, man. It should be, it shouldn't. I mean, I get the legal system's difficult. So I'm not trying to sit here and be like, Oh, it's so easy, but it shouldn't be like this fucking it. difficult, man. No, definitely not. And I, you know, we talk about it all the time too, like amongst like my immediate community, the, even the fact that people still have this thing about cannabis, like it's a drug, it's a drug. So the town I live in personally up until, well, technically it still exists. There's a ban on dispensaries opening here, right? Mm. The towns that have dispensaries in the, in, within their limits have generated something like, like some crazy amount of money per town. I think the average was like $7 million per town where they were, where the mm -hmm. money was going in, into the infrastructure. Don't quote me on that number. I would have to go back and double check it. Um, but we had a vote in the town I live in to lift the ban. And it wasn't to open dispensaries or allow, dispens allow someone to file the license. It was just, if we lifted the ban, who would be for it, who would be against it. 
that vote passed by 65%. Thank wow. goodness. So, but as I'm driving in the parking lot, here's like two women my age on the side of the road. Don't do this to our kids. You're hurting our kids. Like people have this mindset, like we're going to hold their kids down and like make them smoke a joint. It's like, that's not what anything, what is any of this is about. This is about the, the, the life choice for opting for plant medicine. This is about mm -hmm. your, your choice to consume something that may be good for you and your body. And if we're really looking at drugs a as a whole, I think the argument could be made and should be made that sugar is the most dangerous drug of all. Sure. We have people dying from that all the time. We have people with all sorts of health issues. I know some people will laugh at me for saying that, but if you really look at our country overall, that's one of the most devastating things to our body. So right. if we're going to really have a real conversation about let's make things legal or illegal because they're good or bad for my body, then we really need to look at some of the things that we're taking in right now. Um, so I have a hard time with people, you know, doing that. So they, and then I, I've been at like, you know, my little town Facebook groups and I've been posting information about, the towns around us and how much revenue they've received. You know, our taxes are going up because they're building a new elementary school, just a half a mile right. from my house. That school can be paid for in six months with revenue from dispensaries coming in. Right. But the good thing is what we're seeing, especially I think more in the suburban areas right now is there's a tremendous demographic shift. So because of COVID, people realized they can work from anywhere and they weren't tied to being within a certain parameter of where they work necessarily. You're seeing a tremendous migration to the suburbs out of the cities, in, specifically in this part of the area. I know it's happening around the country as well. Um, so in my, like in my town, we're having younger families move in. We're having more diversification. We're having, you know, a, a, a different a different group of people come in and it's really nice to see and it's nice to be a part of. So that's kind of the thing that's happening in Massachusetts right now. There's a lot, we're, we're in a big transition. Like it's going to keep going for a little while, I think. Right. And Massachusetts is also in a very weird, weird uh, space where we don't necessarily have enough legal product. There is not enough cultivators necessarily who aren't non-vertically integrated. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of vertically integrated businesses. They're growing it. They're selling it. That's great. There's a lot of independent delivery couriers who are just getting their licenses. And the product that's, that's available to some of those independent businesses, um, even dispensaries, is minimal right now. Mm. Whereas like California, you know, they, I'm pretty sure they still burn off a certain amount at the end of the year each year. We're not there yet. We're not even close. So, um, plus, you know, our weather, the other thing is like people forget it's new England. So our weather patterns here make outdoor growing, a you know, very, very difficult. Sure. It's not impossible, but it's, it, it's very, it's doable only specific times of the year. So um, those kind of things are all playing into the fact that we're still in the infancy and in the Massachusetts stage. Uh, we still have a lot to do and there's going to be a lot of changeover in the next few years. Um, and with social consumption, 
the discussion was not even on the table until recently. And then they voted that it would be um, the, the, the individual towns have to agree to have it there. Somerville is going to be one of the first areas here that is going to be doing it, not Boston, not Boston proper. So there's going to be a lot of strange laws like that that are tied into real estate values and properties and what they're going to go for if your space suddenly becomes a space that's eligible for social consumption. So that's going to continue this migration of people out of the city. And, and Boston is now you know, no cheaper than New York. The prices right. to live here are astronomical, especially if you're living in the city. Um, it, it really is comparable at this point. So that's kind of the real estate is booming. If you're, it's the time to sell, if you're selling, uh, the cannabis market is booming here, but it's all very much in its infancy and it is very much the wild, wild west in terms of cannabis. Um, you know, we have a ton of ca a dispensary partners who are sponsoring Boston Cannabis Week, but we can't take product from them. Like, mm. you know, like it's illegal. So shouldn't be. It's legal. Yeah. We should be able to, you know, but so the things like that, I think as a as an organization as Boston Cannabis Week, we're going to have to keep an eye on over the next few years. Yeah. Exciting, man, exciting. I really, I know you got to get out of here in a moment. I really appreciate the discussion. I appreciate learning about the Massachusetts and Boston market. Um, it's so exciting. I'm excited to come out to Boston Cannabis next week and, and see it in person to try some of these products. You know, before we get, get you out of here, I definitely want, you know, you to plug where people can find you. Again, Boston Cannabis Week, September 20th through 26th, whole week of events. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just say it before you said bossacannabisweek.com has got the whole list of programming. Uh, if there's anywhere else you want to plug where people can find you. And then also personally, I want to know what, what dispensary do I need to visit or product do I need to try? <laughs> when I come out there? Um, all of them. No, uh, I'll give you a list, but th thank you for, uh, having me on. It was so great to talk to you and I'm, uh, really excited to meet you in person for Boston Cannabis Week. Um, and just thank you for giving me this platform to talk about something that I love and, uh, something that we do every day, uh, on a personal level, I will say some of the best dispensaries we work with are Apothotherapeutics, you have Berkshire Roots, uh, you have Legal Greens, uh, the first black female, uh, dispensary owner, uh, on the East coast, Vanessa Jean-Baptiste mm. is one of our scholarship recipients. Um, so there is a lot of good places. Uh, Mellow will be opening soon. Make sure to check out Mellow. Um, we'll have to see about a, a personal dispensary tour once you get out this way. All right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I got, I, I got to try, man. I, I got, I got a high tolerance and I'm a, I'm a can of sewer, man. So I'm looking to come try okay. some flavors and some so products. We'll, so. we'll hit that up. We'll also hit up garden remedies. We'll also hit up true leave. Um, we'll also hit up Apothca. Uh, there's a bunch of others that I have lined up. Uh, we'll run by Pure Oasis. We'll do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so we'll, we'll, I think you're going to enjoy yourself when you come out this way. Hell yeah. Look, look forward to it. I will see you next week. Uh, don't grind too hard. I know you'll be having many late nights coming up until Monday and then, you know, and then it's going to be a week of craziness. So good luck with everything. And, uh, we'll be seeing you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Hit up bossandcannabisweek.com. Thank you everyone.